With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Slash afternoon, pre evening, and welcome into Taking You to School. I'm your host, Joe Perello of Sports.com. That's S U I T E, Sports.com. We used to be the only college basketball show on the RF Sports Radio Network, but now we're talking college, we're talking pro, we're talking NBA draft, we're talking free agency. We're basically just talking every kind of basketball you could ever want to talk about. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, joining me, as always, my colleague at SweetSports.com, our editor in chief and fearless leader. He has also contributed to the ESPN True Hoop Network, BuzzFeed, among other sites, Mr. Jeremy Conlon. Jeremy, how did you enjoy the fourth, and uh, are you happy to be back to work tonight? Uh, I got a pretty nice sunburn, so I'm happy to be indoors and in air conditioning. Yeah, well, I think we can all relate. I, uh, I actually just went up on the roof for a little while to try to get a tan, but as you know, I'm really, really I'm basically Casper the Friendly Ghost, and uh, I'm pretty sure I got burnt in the uh, 45 minutes I was up there, so a, r- a rough day. We're going through a pretty good heat wave here in Boston, but, uh, you know, we thought we'd have uh, we'd have to fill some dead air, but it's been a pretty busy free agency period already, uh, and obviously the big one we got to talk about is Dwight Howard leaving the Lakers, heading out to Houston, pairing up with James Harden and, and whatever other pieces uh, remain there to, to, to pair with him and to play with him. Uh, Dwight Howard, before this season, before the uh, kind of disappointing and injury-plagued year in L.A., but is far and away the best center in the league. But now he's kind of viewed as a – he's always kind of viewed as a head case, but now he's viewed as maybe more of a head case than he's worth. Uh, you, you talk about four or five other comparable centers that give you more on the offensive end and maybe can give you as much on the defensive end, guys like Marcus Saul, guys like Roy Hibbert uh, and players like that. So, so Jeremy, i got to ask you, you're – you know, you know a lot more about basketball than I do, so I'm going to defer to you on this. Uh, did first of all, do you have to just offer Howard because he he is such a talent, and, and how does he fit in with Houston? And, and do you think this signing is worth it for him, worth the headache or the potential headaches? Um, I think he's still a no-brainer max contract guy, just because. Yeah. The, I mean, the last time we saw him at 100% health was 2011 when he probably should have been the MVP of the league over Derrick Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's just from his impact on both ends, offensively and defensively, the only person that can really match him is LeBron. Mm-hmm. But over the last two seasons, he's like the back has been a problem for him. Uh, he played through a torn labrum for half the season with the Lakers. Um, like we just haven't seen him in a position where he's fully healthy. Um, mm-hmm. So, Hopefully, um, he 
can get back to that. Like maybe because it's the, a back is sort of a chronic issue, you know, there's some worry that maybe that just doesn't get better. Maybe it's like Steve Nash where, you know, you really have to limit his minutes and do all these other things to make sure it doesn't flare up. Um, but, you know, it, he's, he's the type of player where you have to roll the dice and think, you know, yeah. even if he's only healthy for three of the four years of this contract, maybe but you know, maybe this coming season he's still working back to 100%, but then after that he's he's healthy. You know, that's the you, – you have to roll the dice with that just because um, as good as he is um, when he's healthy, he's a top two player in the league. The only person that really exceeds his level of performance is LeBron. Um, so specifically with Houston, I think they might run into the same problems that he had in Los Angeles where they don't post up. They don't post up a lot, um, yep. which is apparently what he wants. They, he, like, they want to play a lot of pick and roll, but he apparently doesn't like playing pick and roll all that much. Um, so that's gonna, it's going to be a little bit of the same um, in terms of what people want problems. Um, yep. But I think, I think that system is more accommodating than D'Antoni's will because – uh, D'Antoni's pretty set in his ways and what he likes to do on offense, and but he has good reason for that because he's had a lot of success with it, um, yeah. and it didn't totally work out. Sure. But, uh, I mean, at the same time, um, in L.A., one of the problems was that they didn't really have the spacing to make it work because Gasol is not a range shooter. Um, Metaworld Peace is not a very good shooter. Kobe needs the ball in isolation a lot. Like They don't have the, re- the right pieces around him to really make all yeah. the – uh, to make everything work. I think they can do that better in Houston. Um, so, you know, all in all, it's, it's probably a, a, it's probably a safe max contract. You know, there are some mm-hmm. reservations you might have, but it's, uh, I, I think it's worth the risk. Um, and, and one of the things, you know, as this is going down um, over, I think it was Friday night, um, one of the crazy things is that all these people were criticizing because, uh, you know, the, the first report came out that he was going to pick Houston, and then there were conflicting reports that he hasn't picked Houston yet. L.A. is still in play. And, it, like, the reports went back and forth a while, um, and people were criticizing him for not making up his mind. But the people <laughs> that were criticizing him were the same people that were criticizing LeBron for going on TV and just announcing his decision. Yeah. So it was, it was, there was a, a lot of uh, hypocritical um, – you know, talk back and forth. It's like, okay, so you don't want someone to just go on TV and announce their decision, <laughs> but you don't want someone to announce it on Twitter through various leaked reports. Like, you can't yeah. win. You can't have it both ways. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. <laughs> um, but I mean, in terms of in terms of the basketball stuff, um, I think it's a, I think it's a great move for Houston. They now have that inside outside game with Harden and Howard. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the thing that I'm really looking forward to is that over the ca- past couple of years, Daryl Morey, GM of the GM of Houston. Mm-hmm. has made some really interesting moves in terms of, um, like, when he traded Chase Buttinger to uh, Minnesota and they got Chandler Parsons out of it, they got the pick that became yeah. Chandler Parsons, um, basically, like, resetting that rookie clock and getting an extra three years of a cheap contract. Um, and then the move when he traded uh, Kyle Lowry to, to Toronto and got a guaranteed lottery pick because the pick was reverse-protected. Um, yeah. Like those are the types of moves that he's been pulling off, but they haven't really been high-profile moves because they haven't been a high-profile team. 
but now that they have like these two superstars in place, he's going to keep making those types of moves to um, make the peripheral pieces fit. Um, but now that they're a more high-profile team, he's going to get more recognition for those types of for those types of moves. Like he obviously got credit for the Harden trade, but that was sort of a no-brainer decision. You know, same with the yeah. Howard signing. But now all these smaller moves that people don't really pay attention to, or I think those are going to come to light more. Uh, and he's going to start getting credit for really being probably the best executive in the league right now. Yeah, and especially you mentioned the Chandler Parsons move or, or trading for the draft pick that became Parsons, who was, you know, not really viewed as – I mean, he was a second-round pick out of Florida, not really viewed as a as a guy that anybody really even thought would stick in the league, but he's got a good size. He can shoot the three, and you got to believe he'll benefit from uh, having an interior presence like Dwight Howard. Uh, uh, I want to talk about Shaq's comments uh, on Dwight Howard signing with Houston in a second. But you mentioned how he doesn't want to play in the pick and roll. He wants to be more of a post-up big. But he hasn't really shown a, a refined repertoire of post moves, at least what you would think. And, you know, now he's got Kevin McHale there, and he talked about that was one of the reasons he wanted to go there to, to improve his post game. But they want to run pick and roll. Uh, do you think, uh, from a personnel uh, standpoint, it seems to fit, but do you think from where they're going philosophically and strategically, uh, do you think they'll kind of give in to his demands to be more of a, you know, post up on the block kind of guy, and how do you think he fits in as a pick and roll guy? Because he's, he's certainly got the athleticism and bounce for it, but does he have the skill for it? Well, what do you think about that? Um, I think they're going to be more accommodating in terms of giving him uh, post up opportunities than the Lakers were, mm-hmm. um, because on on one hand they want to keep him happy, in, just in terms of like his own psyche, what he wants to do. But I think mm-hmm. I think Mikhail can work with him to sort like his post game's not bad. It's it's bad yeah. compared to Tim Duncan's, but Tim Duncan is one of the best post up players of all time. Like right. you know, all things considered, Dwight <laughs> Howard is a above average post up offensive player. Um so I think they can work with him to get to him to get to a point where it's it's not like they're sacrificing their offense to post him up. Um mm-hmm. But I, I think it's going to come down to how much he wants to play the pick and roll because that's where their offense is centered. Um, and, you know, he was a really good pick and roll player in Orlando when he was in Stan Van Gundy's offense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when when they were playing with uh, with Hayato Turkoglu and Jameer Nelson, like back in that 2009 season when they made the finals, um, they, they had a really, really effective pick and roll game. Um, so, you know, you you wish you would have seen that more with the Lakers because Steve Nash is such a great pick and roll guard, um, but it didn't seem like he wanted to do that, um, and you know that might have been because he wanted to he wanted to distinguish himself separate from Kobe and Nash, whereas in Houston he won't have to do as much of that because he's already seen as a bigger star than than James Harden is. So just yeah. from that like psychological perspective, that might be a, a better fit for him. Um, but I mean, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry too much about uh, like he, you know he signed with them knowing they play a lot a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, they have a similar philosophy to you know the Magic team that was so good, where it's just you know spread the floor with shooters and we're going to rely on you to carry the defense. Uh, and if he can do that, they're a, they're a serious contender in the Western Conference. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, we mentioned before, a very, very interesting Western Conference next year, and we're starting to see the rosters 
uh, take place a little bit. We actually have a caller coming in, but I have no way of screening him, so I'm just going to let him in, and we're going to see what happens here. Uh, let's see. Uh, caller, can you hear me? <laughs> yes, I can. You don't have to worry. I'm not going to say anything nasty. Uh, I'm, an, I'm well, a basketball fan. Since the days of the doubleheader at Madison Square Garden where I saw the first Bill Russell, uh, uh, Will Chamberlain matchup at Cutcher's Country Club uh, up there in uh, in Monticello, New York. But uh, you know, while you guys have been on the air, uh, uh-huh. something dramatic has really happened. I don't know if you know about this with Dwight Howard. Uh, what is that? You know, his deal with – he's decided that next year, that's this coming season, he is not going to play with the Houston Rockets. He is he's going to play a number of games with every team in the NBA and by the end of the season he really feels that he will be able to make a decision at that point after experiencing a little bit with everybody you know the Knicks the you know Minnesota all these teams and I think by the end of the year he'll have a pretty good handle on where he wants to play <laughs> basketball what do you think well, I think it's a good idea I I, I... You know what? He's been a little indecisive in the past. He, he maybe hasn't uh, found a, a system that fits him best. But but you don't think the uh, first of all, uh, how rude am I? Uh, where are you from? What's your name? I'm from New York, uh, home of the of the New York Knickerbockers, a team that in 1960 <laughs> had a chance to get Jerry West in the draft. Wound up winning three of their last five games in the regular season. Blew the number one pick and took Daryl Imhoff. So that's that's who I am. <laughs> okay, pretty 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 good knowledge there. I like that. But but you so you, do you like the uh, Houston signing for Dwight Howard, or do you, do you think he should have stayed in L.A. and try to finish what he started? Well, you know, I don't think he could have finished it. No, it just didn't click, and there's no sense in pressing it. Uh, you know, the team just you know, never jived. Uh, Houston gives him a new start. He he wants to be the main man. Uh, they've got a pretty decent starting five if they keep Jeremy Lin. I'm not too sure if they've got the bench to be a contending team. I, I really don't see anybody other than Francisco Garcia, you know, coming off the bench and shooting up a couple of three-pointers here and there, but that's about it. So I think their depth is weak, but I do think that their their starting lineup, you know, with Harden and Lynn and uh, Chandler Parsons, has to pick up his game a little bit. And um, I think that you know, I think they have a decent team. So, and I think that's all he wants. He wants to be the man on a team. He wants to have that team grow, and he wants to be responsible for their growth. And that's just how a lot of these stars are. Yeah, it's well, Dwight Howard certainly, and, and Jeremy, you you can bounce in on this if you want. He's been one of the most interesting stars to psychoanalyze because it it seems like he wants to be the man he wants to get everything that comes with being a star but then it seems like he he doesn't quite want the pressure that say you know we used to criticize lebron for cracking under the pressure but then lebron delivers back-to-back amazing finals performances uh talking from a mental perspective and Shaq brought this up he said that dwight howard is maybe mentally weak for going to quote a small town like houston and I said before, I don't think Houston qualifies quite as a small town. It's it's a little bigger than that. It is a major market, but it's you know, <laughs> certainly not New York or Los Angeles. But uh, and Jeremy, I'll start with you, and then we'll go to our buddy uh, from New York. How fair is that criticism of of Dwight Howard? And and do you think it's it's valid at all? Uh, there's there's sort of two ways to look at this. On on one hand, it's a valid criticism because. And to some extent, it's true. He wants to be the guy, but he doesn't want to take on that responsibility. 
Um, but in terms of Shaq's specific comments, like you have to look at who's saying it, and Shaq has proven time and again that he's nothing yeah. more than just a, a petty baby about Dwight Howard. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why he doesn't like him, but it's, it's a real inexplicable pettiness that sort of influences his entire worldview about Dwight Howard. Um, you know, like you know, uh, even as far back as. 2011 when he was saying Brooke Lopez was better than Dwight Howard. And it was just like, yeah. he's not. There's no objective argument that you can make that Brooke Lopez is a better basketball player than Dwight Howard. Um, yeah. So in, in terms of, you know, what Shaq says, and, like, Shaq forced his way out of Orlando and burned bridges with basically every team he was on other than Celtics, really. Um, yeah. And that was when he was 40 years old. Like, Shaq is uh, he's one of the all-time great um Personally, he's one of my favorite players ever just because he was so dominant in his prime. But to, to criticize how people go through their careers after you spent your entire career burning every bridge you cross, <laughs> it just seems stupid to me. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And it's certainly uh, – honestly, Shaq is, was my favorite player growing up, so I, I didn't even think of it that way. I just thought he was a big goofball. But, but you're right, he did. He left a terrible uh, taste in their mouth with the mighty heat. Uh, Phoenix Suns, and, and obviously with the Lakers, there was – the whole blow-up with him and Kobe and, and Phil Jackson and everything. Uh, our buddy from New York, who I, I don't know your yes. name, what do you think My about this, Lenny. this whole – Lenny, yeah. what do you do you think that, that Shaq's criticism of Dwight Howard are, are fair? And, you know, obviously Shaq, he's a little petty towards Dwight Howard because he thinks Dwight is kind of a wannabe Shaq, I would think. But, but what, are, what are your thoughts on that whole situation? Well, Let's face it. Who knows? I've never met Dwight Howard. I don't know what goes on <laughs> inside the head of Dwight Howard. Uh, but based upon just what you can see, uh, when Dwight Howard uh, says that he is not happy with the fact that uh, Kobe Bryant unfriended him on Twitter, uh, then you know that the guy's got a problem somewhere. Right? So, but clearly, he wants to be the guy. He wants. To, he doesn't want to bask in the. You know, he doesn't want to be the number two guy. You know how athletes. I mean, even high school, college athletes. If you've been a star all your life, you don't want to show up on a team and be the number two guy. You want that moniker of the number of the go-to guy. And uh, I think that's the only thing that I know because I experienced that myself. All right? So, yeah. uh, you, know, you know, you just could take it down to the lowest level and that is, you know, how would you feel being the star of the team all your life and now coming to a team and and being the number two or number three guy? And there are some guys that just can't handle that. So I think that's part of it. That's why he picked Houston. And let's face it, the Rockets haven't been a great team. So uh, he's got uh, the pressure to uh, get into the playoffs and make a championship team out of this Rocket team is not resting on his shoulders. Uh, anything he does to improve the team will make him look good. And uh, it, it's just it was it was the right move, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the right move on his part. Now he's got to perform. And for uh, all of the all, all of us who play fantasy basketball, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you don't want to take Dwight Howard on your team because you will not perform well in the free throw percentage category. So uh, that that's where he becomes he's a better uh, NBA player than he is a fantasy player. Yeah, well, I mean, that's always. Obviously, been a, a deficiency of his that, that he and Shaq share, so they they could talk about that sometime. Uh, let me oh think yeah, no, no, I just want to ask. So you said as you were yeah, growing up, I'm sorry to change it a little bit, but you know no. I, mean, I do a lot of radio on on various mm-hmm. places, and I get a lot of calls, and you know it, it's been uh, it's been nonstop. Who's better? 
Well, LeBron James or Michael Jordan. Uh, now, uh, I have a clear opinion on that based upon something <laughs> that nobody talks about. I just want to hear just off the top for, for you know, a second or two. What, what's your impression of that? All right. Well, you know, Lenny, this is a this is a topic that that gets my uh, my two uh, co panelists riled up. One of them isn't on the air with us right now. He's <laughs> off at a Yankees game, unfortunately. But uh, okay. my buddy Jeremy, who's on the line with us right now. I don't know, Jeremy, you don't really side with LeBron, but you think it's not as clear-cut as people uh, tend to make it out to be, right? That's basically my thinking. Um, I think in a vacuum, LeBron's a more versatile player, especially on defense. Um, Ooh. But in terms of, like, <laughs> Jordan is, is just a more explosive scorer than LeBron is, so that's what he has going for him. Um, I don't think there's that much that separates them. Um they, there's not much that either one does on the court that can't be matched by the other player. Um, you know, it, it just comes down to who the other players are around them, um, and both have shown through various accomplishments that they can they can be the best player on a title team if you put the proper team around them. Um, so, I mean, it, 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 when you get to, like, two great players like that, you're just nitpicking the differences, um, and it just it doesn't really seem to matter at that point. It's like they're both, they've both been the best player on the championship team. That's the pinnacle of what you can accomplish as an individual basketball player. So I don't see the need to, you know, try to nitpick and, and point out flaws that aren't actually flaws. They're just perceived flaws that you mm-hmm. come up with after watching them for 10 years. Fair enough. Le- Lenny, so what's the one thing you were talking about? It's, you know, um, it's the defense. And I, I know LeBron James, he can guard the center, he can guard the point guard, he can guard anybody on the floor. But if you remember, when Michael Jordan, during crunch time, got into that defensive posture and grabbed his uh, the bottom of his shorts, made a fist, and just grabbed his, uh, his shorts and got into that defensive crouch, it appeared that all you needed on the court to guard all five guys at the same time was Michael Jordan. Cutting off the passing lanes, not allowing the opponent to get a shot, stealing the ball. I don't think there was any defensive player better in the history of basketball, other than their centers, you know, Chamberlain, Russell, a better defensive player than Michael Jordan when the chips were down. So it's not his offense to me. It's the ability to control a game defensively uh, that uh, Michael Jordan possessed. He was... I'll tell you, it was a, it was like watching uh, magic to see this guy in the last couple yeah. of minutes of a game steal the ball, shut down the opponent, and just do whatever it took to win the game defensively. And to me, that's why I'll say Jordan. Right, so, hey, a lot of people would would certainly agree with you there, Jordan. One of the very best defenders of all time. Certainly, you you have to put him in the top three wing perimeter defenders of all time without even thinking about it. And, and then there's mm-hmm. certainly a good argument to be made with him as the greatest of all time. Lenny, thank you so much for joining us from New York. We we appreciate you, you uh, coming on with us, and, and have a great <laughs> night. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. All right. Thanks for giving me some time. Great job, guys. Keep it going. Right. Bye. Talk to you later, Lenny. All right. It's so nice. All right. We, have a, we actually had a caller. I'm, I'm pretty impressed with us, Jeremy. We're, we're moving up in the world. Uh, but, unfortunately, because of the caller, we're a little behind everything else we had written in. But, of course, the uh, – obligatory Jordan versus LeBron uh, argument always has to come up, even when Kells isn't on the show. You know, he's, I think he haunted us with Lenny right there. Uh, but, Jeremy, I, I want to go maybe a little lightning round here. we got eight minutes left. 
I want to talk about some of the other signings other than Dwight Howard and, and just kind of get your quick thoughts on them. The first one is obviously Andre Iguodala and Josh Smith are the two other big ones. Uh, Iguodala had an offer from the Kings on the table. They end up pulling it. He ends up signing with the Warriors, and the Kings kind of take Carl Landry uh, as maybe a, maybe a consolation prize for a lot cheaper, however you want to look at it. Uh, Iguodala is intriguing. He's very athletic. He's very long, plays great defense, can shoot well when he's in his zone, not necessarily a pure shooter. Uh, how does he fit in with the sharp shooting Warriors and what they're trying to build out there in Golden State? Um, well, I mean, to go to the, to the Sacramento point, my understanding, and, and there's a lot of assumptions in this, obviously. Um, yeah. My guess is what happened was they extended the offer and wanted an answer quickly so that they could move on to other things. Yeah. Um, but then when he didn't give them the immediate answer that they were looking for, there was a two-pronged thing of, one, you know, we need an answer now. But at the same time, I think there was a little bit of not buyer's remorse, but like second thoughts about the contract. Um, yeah. And the fact that he didn't give them an immediate answer sort of gave them an excuse to pull it. Um, yeah. So, that, I mean, that, that would be my assumption for, for what happened. Um, with Golden State, I think he's actually a really good fit. Um, the only question is where the minutes are going to come from. Yeah. Because, you know, they have Clay Thompson at the two, they have Harrison Barnes at the three, and they have David Lee at the four to play, you know, obviously to play power forward. So, you know, if they're going to go small more, they're going to have to cut a lot of David Lee's minutes or yeah. they're going to have to um, – you know, it, it looks like Andre Iguodala is going to be their sixth man, which is kind of weird. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I think that works out because he's so versatile on both ends that he can he can really he can fill in for Curry at point guard for a spell. He can play shooting guard. He can play small forward. Um, or you can you know play a small ball lineup. He maybe, uh, you might not play Iguodala at the four, but you could play Barnes at the four. They had a lot of success with doing that in the playoffs. Um, so you know. They they needed to shore up their perimeter defense. They definitely did that with Iguodala. Um, and, you know, after they lost Jared Jack, uh, they had to renounce his rights to offer the big contract. Um, he can fill in a, a lot of the things that Jack did, which is play both guard spots, um, mm -hmm. you know, handle the ball when Curry wants to do his baseline routine. Um, so I think he fits a lot of holes for Golden State. Um, but, the, I mean, at the end of the day, the question for them is, how healthy Andrew Bogut is because he showed in the playoffs that he's yeah. a real difference maker when he's healthy. Um, and if he can stay healthy for basically all the next season, they're on the same level as Houston and the Clippers and Memphis, you know, mm -hmm. maybe not at the Oklahoma city, San Antonio level, but they're going to be, you know, a 50 win team if they can stay healthy. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting. And uh, I think you touched on it. His impact on the defensive end is going to be huge for them, especially since he can defend multiple positions uh, and then you mentioned his ball handling a little bit, how he can he can play the point if you really need him to. Almost, he's almost like a point forward kind of thing, uh, but he's a very interesting player, and I think they've got a lot of skill around him. If they wanted to start him with Harrison Barnes, maybe to get a better defensive lineup, or maybe they think they have enough offensive scoring punch with, with David Lee and they can plug him in for Harrison Barnes or something. It, you know what? It, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him, but uh, with a, a player as complete as that, I don't think you can ever go wrong, and it'd be really interesting if their most complete player does end up coming off the bench for them. But of course, that wouldn't be the first time in NBA history that's ever happened. Uh, the other guy I want to talk about, Josh Smith. He got the four years and 56 million from Detroit. Going to be an interesting fit for him. He's going to fit in with, try to fit in with Greg Monroe and Andre Drummond, uh, two younger guys that have shown a lot of potential. But that would mean that Josh Smith would probably have to play the four, or probably, excuse me, probably have to play the threes and playing the four a lot in Atlanta. But that's 
been a little bit out of necessity, not so much because that's his natural position. How do you see him fitting in with Detroit? Uh, and do you think they could have one of the better front lines in the Eastern Conference next year? Uh, I think, um, I, actually, I would expect him to start at the four. Monroe will start at the five, and Drummond will continue to come off the bench. Um, I think, I mean, you're, you're, there's going to be more minutes for Drummond at center, yeah. uh, which means there are going to be spells where it's going to be all three of them on the floor together and Smith is playing small forward. But I yeah. think that's going to be the exception rather than the rule. I wouldn't expect oh, yeah. him to do that for more than like eight to ten minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Um, you mean like if you if you look at it just from the math in terms of the minutes, like there's 48 power forward minutes and there's 48 center minutes. Yeah. That's 96 <laughs> minutes for three guys, and that's, it's pretty easy to divvy that up. Um, so I, I think, I mean, obviously playing at the small forward creates a lot of spacing issues because he's not a good shooter, uh, and Monroe. Monroe can step up and make a 15-foot jump shot, but Drummond cannot shoot the ball whatsoever outside of three feet. Yeah. Um, so playing all three together is going to create some spacing issues. Um, so they're going to need um, they're going to need shooting from their backcourt. But we, if, I mean, they have Brandon Knight who can make threes, and Contavious Caldwell Pope, who is a draft pick, uh, he projects to be a pretty good shooter. So. Um, you know, defensively, it's going to be a great lineup because Smith is going to be all over the place and Drummond can protect the rim. Um, so I, I like the signing for the most part. I think there's some speed bumps that they can figure out. Um, but, I mean, Rasheed Wallace is now their assistant coach, so I, I expect <laughs> all of their problems to immediately go away. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, they're definitely a more talented team than they were last year, and I think they're a, they're a potential playoff team in the East for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Sheed is uh, just bringing on Sheed is, is going to, you know, solve all problems and, and heal all wounds. I, I think it's going to be pretty interesting, especially when they do go with that big lineup, just how formidable they're going to be defensively. But uh, like you mentioned, spacing is going to be an issue because of the shooting deficiencies of all those guys. we got 30 seconds, Jeremy. I want you to give me one guy that's still out there on the market that you would want to sign that could help a contender and one guy that's a liability that you would avoid at all costs. Um, I probably should have looked this up before we came on. I don't have anybody off the top of my head. Um, I'll I'll tell you a signing that I did like. I like Jarrett Jack going to Cleveland because he can play the same role that he played in Golden State where he he, he can play shooting guard next to Irving and play point guard next to Deion Waiters and sort of fill both roles and, and, you know, be the sixth man. I I really like that. I think that's a good fit. Yeah, I agree with you there, and I think he could really help that – up-and-coming young backcourt uh, uh, come together. And like you mentioned, he came off the bench for Golden State and was added a nice scoring punch. But he was also a pretty good passer. I think a little underrated in that regard. That's all the time we have for you on Taking You to School. Thank you so much for joining us. For Jeremy Conlon, I'm Joe Perello. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.